She takes after her father. <laughs> so it's my honor to introduce to you Pastor Fred, and I ask that you welcome him for the word this morning. Amen. It is a word that we have received a, a lot, um, as, as, an, as me as an individual, also as a family. But even prior to that, it comes from our heritage that we received that was a part of this church. Because I know I remember walking through the doors and uh, one of the former elders talking about the breakthrough anointing, and I know it's something that has long been on this work from its inception. You know, um, so it's quite likely that that's rubbed off <laughs> spiritual genetics and all. Um, and it's something that you carry as well because of that. It's part of your spiritual DNA is a breakthrough. You know, so don't be shocked <coughs> that people suddenly do spill their guts to you or suddenly share a need. Because here's the thing. When, when, when Papa brings, uh, allows that breakthrough anointing, that breaker anointing to be on you and people begin to share those things, it means you're equipped to, to deal with it. It means you have something in you that they need, that they recognize, but they don't know that they know, but you know, right? So you share it. You invite Jesus into those situations. And, and that's our privilege and it's, it's, so much fun and work, but fun. <laughs> so that's an aside. Ah, I want to talk to you today, um, partly about recipes and about ingredients. And I thought, well, who better exemplifies recipes or cooking for me than the Swedish chef? Right? I loved him growing up. How many of you were Muppet fans growing up? I would. Watched it faithfully every Saturday night. Somewhere in between her, her Lawrence Welk was in there too. Uh, Hee haw. <laughs> I'm not sure which one was worse, actually. But the Muppets were a joy. <laughs> so, um, but I wanted to, to just talk to you a little bit. About recipes, recipes form the foundation for any good uh, baked dish or, or, or goodies, or, or um, you know whether it's the, the chocolate lovers fest, you know all the amazing things. Um, I, I still, one of my patients who who came from there still raves about the uh, the almond joys and just all the different things that she saw. And she's someone who caters. And does a lot of baking on her own. So that's even more impressive. But, you know, it's a recipe is the foundation, right? It's, um, I heard there was some good strawberry pie yesterday. You know, 
And there was a recipe behind them. And old Apostle Tim's famous for his French onion soup, you know, among other things. Um, how many of you knew that he was his, uh, a Swedish chef in and of himself? <laughs> yep, even right down to the language. Yeah. He is trained in the culinary arts. So, if you ever partake of any of his dishes, you, you will know, right? So, however, while recipes are good, okay, as any chef or baker will tell you, they often are only the starting point, right? You know, I, I even got into a little more baking, or I haven't baked much other than the bake and break cookies up to this point. I got adventurous to slash chocolate lovers fest. I started with the recipe and I went, huh, what if I do this? And then I got to talking with Matthew he went, oh, what if you do this? He offered me some espresso. And, you know, it, it changed. It, it evolved. Based on the first time they made it, they went, oh, it needs a little something more, right? It, it changes. The ingredients don't change a lot, but oftentimes the recipe does. The recipe is a starting point, okay? Um, and first in the natural, then in the spiritual. Well, we could say the same thing about our spiritual walk. When we first enter the kingdom, right, we learn about the the Ten Commandments. We learn that God is love, and and, and we learn a lot of good facts, a lot of good truth that needs to continue to permeate. Why? Because it starts oftentimes as a recipe, which is good. You have to have that base recipe. But over time, the more you taste and see that the Lord is good, the more you begin to go, oh, what if I do this? Okay, I'm different than April is, so what if it's expressed differently through me than it was that the thing that I saw through April, and so on. And we grow. And, you know, it's like my chili. I can make the same chili, right? For Alyssa, my wife's... Why my wife says no. But I can make the same basic (laughs) chili... Every time, and Alyssa loves it, and Michelle may not, but she has to add a little something to make it to her please, you know, or not. Or then I figure forget ingredients from time to time. That that is a thing. There is no secret ingredient. That's a kung fu panda thing. So, what else varies? Well, sometimes it's the quality of the ingredient. You know, you, you get some bad this or that, and you go, ooh, that's not so good. I don't want to eat that again, right? Um, you know, and let's face it, cheap steak tastes like cheap steak. <laughs> you know, so if you're going to spend the extra money, you might as well get something that you actually like. There's, there's some things that you just can't sacrifice. Sometimes a, a, a knockoff brand is good, and sometimes it's a knockoff brand for a reason. So quality matters. The the time we invest or the investment matters, not just time. You know, sometimes we try to pair things that just shouldn't be paired in the natural, like you know, tuna and dark chocolate, or in, in my case, tuna and anything, canned tuna and anything. It's not a good mix. No, anchovies on pizza. To me, that's just sacrilege. I love pizza. You you throw dead fish on there. It's just raw. 
ingredients found in God's word need to be of good quality. They need to be of a unique blend. The blend of the master chef as he works them out into and out of our lives. Doesn't mean that we don't have good ideas and we can't try new things, but ultimately, you know, we want to we want to cook under the shadow or in the presence of the master cook. We want the ingredients of the Word of God. We want the things that are flowing in and through our lives individually and collectively to be orchestrated by Him. So, all that to say, I want to share with you this morning. Three ingredients that I believe will wreck your life. Okay? The need to take center stage no matter what the circumstances we may find ourselves in, no matter the stage of life we may find ourselves in, these are three core ingredients that hands down will put you over the top to make you successful in life, no matter what you're called to do or to be. Okay? And they're familiar ingredients. It's stuff that you know. It's stuff that we've entered into. You know, like, I didn't tell my wife what I was preaching on, right? And and she kind of laid the groundwork quite well. Because the first ingredient is worship. Now you may say, all right, yeah, I know about worship, Pastor Fred. We worship God. That's four. Now, if we have a relationship with Jesus, we know something about worshiping, right? And there are many great definitions and descriptions and even explanations of worship that I've come across through the years. Um, in God's word, in concordances from great sermons. And I want to encourage you before I go any further, that you need to continue to do that. When you have something, whether it's worship or praise or grace or, or whatever that thing is he's put upon your life, you need to search it out. You need to start plumbing the depths of what God means by it. You need to find scriptures that relate. We're called to dig in. The Bereans, right, they received everything. That Paul had to say, and then it says, they received it, and then they went and saw if it was so. They searched it out in the scriptures. I'm not going to give you a lot this morning. If you, if you really want to grab a hold of this, you're going to have to search some things out for yourself. It's just the way it is. It, it, you know, Paul admonishes Timothy, you know, study to show yourself approved. We're called to check things out. To be a student of the word. For me, it all boils down to this. Worship is a condition of the heart. We can look at it as so many things. We can look at it, I mean, quite literally, worship to worship means to bow down in adoring contemplation. Praise means to to essentially, essentially reach your hands toward heaven. And there's many other variations of that. But I'll tell you that. I'll tell you what. I've been in worship services where I've been flat on my face and I've been totally in the presence of God. 
And I've been in worship services where I've been flat on my face and he's never been farther from me. I've stood in the assembly with arms outstretched and could feel his presence. And we were just, I was just in a whole other world. I could, I could just feel heaven. And yet, I've been in the assembly and not felt a single thing. In fact, again, I was more intent on what was going on outside than inside. We can boil worship down to a lot of things, but at the end of the day, it comes down to a condition of the heart. I can enter into the presence of God if I'm sitting. I can enter into into the presence of God if my arms are outstretched. I can enter in uh, to the presence of God if I'm prostrate on the prostrate on the floor. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that word <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> Flat on the floor, face down. Thank you. It's not about the music. You know, we're called to excellence in all that we do. That is true. And even the musicians in in, in the work, um, when they were appointing musicians, they were they were excellent. They were skilled at what they were called to do. But at the end of the day, I should be able to enter into worship no matter how skilled a musician is. Whether I even have music at all. I've been in worship services in other nations. I didn't even know the language. I didn't care for the music. And I, I worshiped. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And it, and, it, and it touched me like other worship had. been in worship with extremely skilled musicians. I've been in worship with not so skilled musicians. And while it's always helpful to have someone skilled lead you into that, I can enter into his presence no matter what. That's what we're called to do. It's not about the music. It's about getting into his presence. It's about Finding that that sweet spot, if you will, where all distraction just goes. It's so easy. I mean, we come in, come on, every Sunday morning. I'm with the rest of you. Yes, this is my focus, right? But at the same time, I have stuff going on outside of here. I had people texting me this morning from one of the jobs I work at. Talking about things going on tomorrow. Something I had to set aside. Sometimes there's a football game that we're excited about. We're worried about the cheese dip and whether it's going to burn while we're gone. Or we're worried about, you know, there's this stuff. We're worried about the party that we have to go to afterward. I mean, we, we get distracted easily. And it's all of us. It can happen. Same thing can happen. I love to worship when I get up in the morning. One of the first things I love to do. I'm not always faithful at it. I need to be. I desire to be. 
God knows my heart. He forgives me. Something I, I, I just want to dive into. But it all comes down to a position of the heart. It's about changing the atmosphere of heaven. It, it, not changing, but, but getting into the atmosphere of, of heaven. Right? What I have found is that when I allow things that are beyond my control to affect my ability to enter into worship, I'm usually worshiping either my fears, right? By saying that, God, you're not as big as this, or you're not big enough to help me here, or something is bigger than God, or something is more powerful than God. So often when I'm distracted from worship, fear is an element. Or I'm worshiping myself. I'm speaking for me. Okay? But I'm worshiping, you know, I'm saying my opinion about this situation is more important than God's situation. God's opinion in this situation. And so, who needs you? I've got my own opinion. And it consumes me. If I'm not careful. Why worship? When we worship, we enter more fully into his presence. Make no mistake, if we're born again, we carry Jesus. I'm not saying that we worship just so he comes back. Major reality that we seek. When we worship, we worship him in his are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we worship who he is so that he makes his himself more tangible, more manifest, so that we can take on the mind of Christ more fully, so that we can be in his presence. And our situations can be affected by We enter more fully into his presence when we worship. First John chapter three tells us that when we behold him, we become like him. First John three verses two and three says this beloved. Now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. You see, when we, when we, when we worship him, right, we're beholding him. When we're beholding him, we're becoming more like him. 
We were created to give God praise. Well, that sounds kind of arrogant, right? It's it's all about God. Well, that he's some egomaniac. Oh, praise me. Oh, praise me. Well, yeah, coming from you or I, that might be the case. But here's the thing with God. God knows that when we praise him, we become more like him. He knows that when we praise him, when we worship him, we begin to take on the image of Jesus. He knows that when we worship and when we praise, we tap into something that changes us, transforms us from the inside out. We worship when we praise in the midst of difficult circumstances, in the midst of of difficult relationships. Why? Because it changes us. I need to know that this person who I'm in conflict, conflict with is God's treasure. I don't feel like it. You don't either. Typically, you might know it here. And sometimes, it's, don't get me wrong, it's not all about feelings. I don't always come away from worship and go, yeah, oh, I just want to hug that person. Right? Oh, I just want to... No. Sometimes it's just simply a reality that, God, this is your, your child. They drive me crazy. But you know what often happens as, as I've applied this in relationships especially? What once drove me crazy suddenly makes me angry. I get, I get, I may say, I may get, I get pissed. Because I recognize the bondage that people are in. God, God just begins to show me and say, look, I know you're angry about this, but you don't know what's going on. And that makes me angry. We're called to destroy the works of the devil. Right? And so we should get angry when we see people in bondage. We should get angry at injustice. We're called to hate. We, I recently heard Bill Johnson say, we cannot love well if we don't hate well. If you don't hate sin, you're going to have a hard time loving Others. And they went, wow, that's really good. It's true. At the core of that is, is our worship, our love, our adoration, our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. Not just because someone leads us in worship, not just because a good song comes on the radio. Not because it's even our favorite song. You ever just been somewhere in silence, maybe driving in silence, and you just you're just overwhelmed by the need to worship, and you just begin to you just begin to say, Jesus, I, you're so good. I've been complaining this whole time, but you're so good. You are so magnificent. You are so wonderful. And I've forgotten that. I repent, Lord. It changes my heart in an instant. Oh, Lord, I've forgotten how amazing you are. God, you're so worthy of all glory and honor and praise. Forgive me for, for forgetting that, for stepping away from that reality for one moment. God, you're so good. Try that. 
God, you're so good. You're so magnificent. You're so wonderful. Just declare what you know about him. It changes you. Because it gets you into his presence and that changes you. And it equips you. You know, I read this passage, the one I just read to you out of 1 John yesterday. And, you know, again, when he appears, we will be like him. And I've heard so many people through the years talk about the end times. And, well, yeah, oh yes, when Jesus comes, he's going to appear and we'll be transformed in the blink of an eye. We're going to be changed and we will be like him. And I'm like, amen, brother. But that's not just for them. That's for the here and the now. How else do we destroy the works of the devil? Come on. Worship is key to everything that we're called to do and to be. It's a key ingredient. And if we don't go there, we won't accomplish much. I don't care what you think about what you've accomplished or what you are accomplishing. If worship is not at the core of it, it's always going to fall short of all that he's called you to do and to be in life. I have found that the only way to move forward in my calling is to get low. And once I think I'm low enough, guess what? He says, really, the bar is here. I'm like, really? You couldn't have told me that to begin with? Well, you wouldn't have gotten this low to begin with. And as I start to go into the bar, he lowers it again. Like, dang it. Fine, I'll get lower. I get angry with him. I know I'm not the only one in here. It's hard. God, it's hard to to get yourself that low. And it's only by the grace of God that you can do it. Man, when you can when you can when you can begin to step in that place and I have never found that it's been all encompassing getting into this place. In other words, I, I've seen this happen in areas of my life and then there's areas of my life where I go, oh, I, no, nowhere close. Um, when he can get you to any place in your life where, where you simply say, it's all about you. Not for my glory, but for your glory. <laughs> That's when real change begins. You get a measure of change up to that point. Right? And again, it's, it's not... <laughs> it has been my experience that as much as I thought in my one experience here that, well, yeah, good, now I've got it. Well, guess what? Other things were still up that needed to be brought low. Worship takes us low. Being flat on the ground takes us low. That position. For those of you looking for scripture, try Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that we would be the firstborn among many brethren. We're called to be conformed to the image of Jesus. First, uh, First Corinthians 15.49 
Just as we have borne the image of the earthly, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Not just one day, but in the here, in the now. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 22. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body from our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. And Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 that we are to become partakers of the divine nature. This is who you are. That is who you are. We just got done singing it. And you're like, wait a second. We were singing that about Jesus, right? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Guess what? You're made in the image of God. You're all those things he's singing over you. He's declared over you. You're his way maker. You're, you're his breaker. You're his miracle worker. Jesus came and, and moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're called to be a promise keeper. By the grace of God, you keep promises. You keep your word. It's an essential part of, of integrity. We're called to walk in integrity. Keeping our word is a big part of it. We're promise keepers. Light in the darkness. So let your light shine before men that they may see the good that you do and give glory to God. That's why we do it. All glory be to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All glory and honor and praise be to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You're worthy. All adoration, all glory. Because he is perfect and holy. Because he is merciful and kind. Because he is bold and powerful. Filled with all wisdom and knowledge. Because he is loving. And because he is love itself. Right? There is nothing greater that he could do for us than to ask us to worship him. It's not a thing of Eric. It's a thing of, I want the best for you. Papa, speaking over us, I want the best for you. So worship me so that you can become like me. Then you're going to have success. It's an act of love. Because he wants the best for his children. So the first ingredient is worship. The the rest won't take nearly as long. Okay? But I want to dive into them briefly nonetheless. Okay? The second is listening. Listening is... Well, yes, we're called to worship, a large part of worship. It's not just about us telling him. It's work, part of worship is receiving, right? We have to, it's a give and take. This relationship that we're in, relationships don't just go one way because we're always called that that's a dysfunctional relationship. If it's so in the natural, then it's so in the spiritual. 
We're called to hear his voice. And I love, I recently, um, again, same Bill Johnson sermon, it, um, although he was going one direction and I heard this and I started going another. But he brought out Exodus chapter 14. And in it we see that the Egyptians, right? You know the story. There's all these plagues. Um, God has has changed Pharaoh's heart. He's hardened Pharaoh's heart so that they could be released. And they go out into the, into the wilderness and Moses is leading them and then they come near the Red Sea and Moses tells the people because they're all, you know, they're, they're like, hey, Moses, you know, we had it a whole lot better back there and now you brought us out here to die. And they're complaining and they're whining. So what does he say to them? It says, but Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation from the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Now, if it ended there, we'd go, wow, that's really cool. God spoke to Moses, right? And Moses spoke to the people and the people shut up. That in and of itself is probably a miracle. But, but if you're tracking with me, in Exodus 14, verses 10 through, through 16 is where I'm at. If you're tracking with me, you know that that's not the end. Because it says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And we go, wait a second. I thought God spoke to him. Why are you crying out to me? This is God chastising Moses. Moses, you kind of missed it. Moses, yes, they're whining, but so are you. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to move forward. But I just told them to stand. Tell them to move forward. As for you, lift up that staff and stretch out your hand. Moses thought it was a, okay, we're going to stand and we're going to watch. And it makes a whole lot of sense because that's what's been happening up to this point, right? They they watched and here come the locusts and they watch and here come the flies and the gnats and the blood and the, so on and so forth. They've been watching the hand of God at work on their behalf. But there comes a point where while Moses just assumed it was the same thing, God said, nope. You need to listen a little better. But here's the thing. We could make fun of Moses, but at the same time, his heart was such that he heard God's voice and he stretched out his hand and he told the people to move forward. We can miss it as my point. It's not a a thing where we're called to be infallible, but it stems from a place where Moses just a few days earlier with the people was worshiping. It came from that place of worship. When we get into the into worship, it's not always about hearing him perfectly the first time around. It's about trusting him that when we get it wrong, even if we stand up in front of the people and say, hey, you know, uh, pick up your shotgun. We're going off this way. And he says, no, 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 no. I never said that. Tell them to put their guns down. And we're just going to sit. Okay, fine. Oh. It comes from a place of worship. 
We have to be listening. It's easy to get to a place. You know, we develop our own recipes whether we recognize it or not. You know, sometimes, you know, just take the, the, the stay, staying or the moving part. You know, each of us have a tendency to either we're goers, we're doers, or we're, I, I tend to stand back and watch a lot of times. That doesn't mean he doesn't have me go at times. But if left to my own recipe, I'm going to stand back and watch it sort of guy. I'm going to see what unfolds. Right? Not everybody's like that. And it's not always right either. Sometimes I get chastised for that. And I should. Because I'm supposed to be moving. Not about the chastisement. It's about the listening. It's a key ingredient. We've got to worship. Worship gets us to the place where our hearts can be like Moses. The humblest man that ever was, where we can listen to God's voice. Right? And then move or not move accordingly. Finally, (laughs) the last thing goes hand in hand with the last thing. We're called to worship, but we're called to risk. Generally, I'll say we're called to faith. And how do we spell faith? R-I-S-K. Right? But more and more lately, it seems more natural to say we're called to risk. If we're being a follower of Jesus Christ is a risky business. If you think it's passive, I'm sorry. It's not what it's about. Peter's faith made him step out of a boat. That's not logical. It's not even, it's not smart according to, to what we know of physics. Right? Especially if Peter couldn't swim. I don't know if he could or couldn't. Yeah, hopefully he did as a fisherman. That's a good point. James tells us to be hearers and doers of the word. This is faith. You know, you don't just grab the applesauce and put it in the pot to make barbecue sauce. Although, I just learned of someone yesterday who does exactly that. They throw applesauce in their barbecue sauce. I actually like it. Not nearly as good as the Andrew Irishman finishing sauce. <laughs> You're welcome. Or other crazy ingredients, right? Or it's like, um, you know, you grab a snake and it turns into a staff. That's a risk. Yeah. Go ahead, Moses. Just, you know, uh, throw your staff down and it's going to turn into a snake. And when you grab its tail, it's going to turn into a staff. Really? I hate snakes. Pete ever told me to do that? Man, we'd have some serious words. At the end of the day, I would do it, but I'd be shaking in my booties. I would be obedient. Man, it's risk. Go wash yourself in a dirty-looking river and get healed. It's a risk. Opening the grave of someone who's been dead for four days and commanding them to come forth. 
It's a risk. This is the life we choose by following Jesus. And he doesn't take us. Don't get me wrong. You're at home and you're on the fence about Jesus. Or if you're even here and you're on the fence about Jesus, he doesn't take us as soon as we're born again and and send us to funeral homes to start raising the dead. Although I have heard of people with such faith that they were so excited about Jesus who began to do things like that. Because it's not about them. If you get it, you get it. If you get it, why not take it out and begin laying hands on the sick? Having the deaf recover. Why not? I'd rather have someone start going there day one than to drag them for a lifetime. Never walking in obedience. What's the saying? It's easier to steer a wild horse than... It's easier to lead a wild horse than it is a dead one. It's easier to lead a wild horse than it is a dead one. So I just want, I want to leave you. I, I know I've gone a little longer than I intended even. But there are three key ingredients in the Christian life. And it's, it's worship. And it's listening. And it's risk. Or faith. However you want to say it, search it out for yourself. It's true. This is the walk that we're called to. Man, it's good. It's life changing. Then stand with me if you would. If you can. If you can't, that's fine. (laughs) It's not a thus says the Lord. just by worshiping together. And for you in the live stream, um, we're signing off. As of this point, you can stick around for whatever Russell gives you. (laughs) But if you want to learn more, you can join us uh, and meet this Jesus whom we speak of at arcgenoa.org. There's even a meet Jesus button. If you're here, you don't need a stinking button. You want to meet this Jesus whom we speak of. You, you come and let us pray. Or you go to those around you and you let them pray with you. So that you can know this Jesus. It's fun. It's scary. But it's fun. It is so much fun. We just want to spend a, just a little time. So I just encourage you if, you, if you feel comfortable lifting your hands, lift your hands. If you don't, don't. If you'd rather sit, sit. You want to lay on the floor, by all means, there's plenty of carpet. Let's just spend a little time worshiping. Because this is what we need. I don't care. Whatever we thought we needed walking into today, I'm telling you, something that every one of us needs is just more of Him. It's more of His presence. We can't OD on Jesus. Not possible. Jesus, just whether you speak in tongues, whether you just want to Lift up his name, however that sounds for you. If you want to start singing, go ahead and sing. If you're not good at it, punish us. We're fine with that. 
I'm not always good at it, and they put me on stage. I punish you guys all the time. We bless you, Jesus. We just give glory and honor and praise to your name. Oh, we bless you. We bless you, Lord Jesus. You're so worthy of all glory and honor and praise. We're just going to take the next two minutes. Just two minutes, okay? Bear with me for two minutes. Let's just praise him. Praise him for who he is. Thank him for all that he's done in your life. Oh God, you're so good. We just give you praise.